let me just mention that that um, what we covered in chapters chapters one through eight was that we we covered uh, uh, justification, sanctification, and glorification, which were the past, present, and future of our relationship with Christ, and how he that is all secure because of Him, because of Jesus. That's all secure. And then what we did is we covered we covered. Uh, 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 then he stopped with this building of the theology and he gave us this portion in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 where in order to see the promises of God fulfilled, people might question, well, why hasn't it been fulfilled in Israel? And he said, and the bottom line is it has been fulfilled in Israel in the remnant and it will continue to be fulfilled. And, and uh, uh, everything is according to plan. God has not been surprised. Uh, everything is according to plan. And in fact, if people had received Jesus when he was here, he would not have been the Messiah. That would have been a false Jesus because this was all prophesied. It couldn't happen any other way. Jesus had to be crucified on the cross. He had to have given his life. There is no other way that could have happened because it had been prophesied. And then... Then, uh, uh, and then what he says is all Israel is going to get saved as soon as he's done bringing in the number of the Gentiles. There is a set number of Gentiles that are to come in. And so he, he wraps that up in, in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. And then he goes into this doxology at the end of Romans chapter 11. And in Romans chapter 12, he starts in on instruction. Now, how shall we therefore live? And this is a little bit different than what he does say in the book of Ephesians, where half of the book of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is theology, and then he goes into the second half, how shall we live? Here he gave us this interlude in 9, 10, and 11. But uh, if we look at this, in, in, let's start reading from verse 32 of chapter 11 of Romans. For God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. So everybody is disobedient. The Gentiles, the Jews, everybody is in disobedient, is disobedient, and God reaches in and he selects out a few in order to be saved. Verse 33. And oh the, oh the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that he might be paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is the doxology, this, this wrapping things up. And he says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. God is so rich in what, in, in, in what he has for us. There's so much there. Oh, the depth of the riches. Think of this. There are riches, there are riches in God, riches in God, and it comes funneled to us in Jesus Christ, and it, it, there is both wisdom and there is knowledge. There's wisdom and knowledge. You know, people think that, oh, I must have always been a, a super strong student, very high IQ and all of this. No, I'm just a regular person. I'm just regular. What happened to me is I got saved at the age of 18 and everything started to turn around. I started meditating on the Bible every day, every day, every day. Do you know what every day means? Every day. So for over 43 years I have done this. 
And I would encourage you to do the same. And what God has done is He has opened my mind to understand the Scriptures. He's also opened my mind to understand chemistry, to understand other things. I was having a rough time in my first semester of freshman chemistry. And a very rough time because I was in an honors class. And and uh, um, when I got saved on November 7th, 1977, everything turned around. I got a B-plus at the end of that semester, which was like a miracle for me. And then I never got less than an A in any chemistry course that I took. And I took every graduate course that I could take as an undergraduate, took every graduate chemist, organic chemistry class, and got A's in all of that. God turned things around. As we understand... God does this. And in fact, my mother used to say this. My mother didn't know the Lord at the time. And uh, uh, she didn't come to know the Lord until she was 72. And she said, you know, you never used to speak like this. But all this reading of the Bible that you do, it's made you able to speak about all these different subjects that you never could have spoken about before. She noticed the change. This is what he's talking about. You know, some people we deal with, and I, and I see them a lot at Rice University, that they were like born smart and they were always at the top of their class and they're in the university and they're, they're the top of the class. So they're, they're, but that's not the case with the rest of us. With the rest of us, we're just regular people. And I'm telling you, if you get in the Word of God, you will get wisdom and knowledge like you have never had it before. It will really begin to change your life. This is what he's talking about. The depth of the riches. This, he says there's riches and it's so deep. It's so deep what I have for you. The riches that are here. Of both wisdom and knowledge. He says is how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. We looked at this, we looked at this uh, same verse last time. Just turn over a couple of pages into 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, start reading at verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which has been given to you in Christ Jesus. The grace of God which has been given to you. Grace has been poured out to you in Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus there is grace. That means there is an undeserved gift, there is unmerited favor that is poured out to us in Jesus Christ. We shall forever praise Jesus for what He's done in our life. Forever we will praise Him. You cannot thank Him enough. It is just grace is poured out to us in Jesus Christ because of Him. That in everything, verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, For in everything, in everything, you were enriched in Him. In all speech and in all knowledge. In everything, you are enriched in Him. In every way, you are enriched because of Jesus Christ. You are enriched in Him in all speech and in all knowledge. If we would but believe this, that in Christ, as we learn more about Him, as we worship Him, as we come before Him, there are changes that happen in our life that expand our minds. Even as the Scriptures say, God expanded their minds to understand the Scriptures, the Bible says, to understand the things that Jesus had taught the disciples. He enlarged their minds to be able to understand this. And this is why we see this type of thing, if you look in in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. You have these two fishermen. They were untrained. They were untrained and uneducated. But they give, they, they come and they appear before this council and they're like, 
something's different about them. They were amazed. The council was amazed. Groups of professors don't generally get amazed by some undergraduate speaking. They're not amazed by that. This group of professors, though, were amazed at these young guys that were fishermen, that were untrained and uneducated, and then they began to recognize they've been with Jesus. Because they spoke like Jesus, they said the same things that Jesus did, they spoke with the authority that Jesus had. It changes the whole dynamic of authority that you walk in. changes the whole dynamic. Everything changes. You can come with enormous confidence. You come with this enormous confidence that begins to change your life. And, 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 and these patterns begin to change because of what, of the way Jesus opens up your life. And that's why in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6, even as the testimony concerning Christ has been confirmed in you, as the testimony concerning Christ is confirmed in us, our minds begin to open. And God begins to change things that are going on in our life. I want you to turn to Psalm 18. What I'm talking about is a treasure. I'll tell you, this is a treasure. If you would take hold of this, this will change your life. This is a treasure. In, in Psalm 18, you see what God can do with an individual. What was David's occupation? David's occupation was first a shepherd, and then he was a warrior. He became a general, and he led men into battle again and again, and he was killing Philistines, and God anointed him for what the task that he had to do. God anointed him. In Psalm 18, verse 32, it says this, The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless, he makes my feet like hind's feet and sets me on my high places. Psalm 18, verse 34, He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand upholds me, and your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. Mike, please check, make sure everybody's muted. Um, so it says, it says that, that God has girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. God gives me strength. David realized this, that God gave him strength. God doesn't share this word with us just to read about David. He shares this word with us for our encouragement so that we would take hold of the word of God and believe it. He girds my hands with strength. This is what David needed. He was a warrior. Warrior. He would, he would, he, his hands were girded with strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet. David could run like a gazelle. He sets me upon my high places. Who wins the battle? Generally the one that has the high ground. He trains my hands for battle. He's trained my hands for battle. So that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. I mean, that's a pretty strong bow. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me. Mike, we've got to, we've got to mute somebody here is become unmuted. Um, and your right hand upholds me. Your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. So what he does is, is, is he says, you've enlarged my steps under me, my feet have not slipped. If you're in battle, hand-to-hand combat, and you slip, you're dead. I mean, that's it. And, and uh, he says, God keeps my feet from slipping. Do you know what I say to the Lord? I'm not that kind of warrior. I'm a chemist. Lord, fill me with the knowledge and the understanding that I need as a chemist. Does that bother you? Does that bother you that I would pray that prayer? Because it shouldn't. 
you ought to be praying the same thing. You ought to be praying that God gives you, God gives you the diagnosis, the, 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 the understanding of the diagnosis before anybody else. Lord, give me that. When all others are, 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 look at this in a mystified way. Lord, you give me this, the diagnosis for this patient. Lord, what's, what's, what's the best investment I can make in my real estate business? What's the best thing I can do? Ask God. Ask God if he's going to train David's hands for killing people. I mean, you know, it's, it's a much milder thing for him to bless you in your real estate business. I mean, God does this. He wants us to take hold of this. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter chapter 11, verse 33, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. There is so much depth and riches for us in Christ. Then he goes on in verse 34 of Romans chapter 11. I'm sorry, it's Romans chapter 11, verse 34. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became His counselor, or who has first given to Him that He might be paid back to Him again? You know, there's this feeling sometimes when we come to God that, you know, if God just did it this way, you know, why does He, why does He have this whole election thing? Maybe He could just do it this way. And Paul says, you know, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became His counselor? And when I hear people say that, why doesn't God just do it this way? I'm saying, you know, if you ran this universe for just an hour, I am sure it would implode. It would just totally destroy. God is pretty good at running this thing. He knows what he's doing. Who became his counselor? He knows exactly what he's doing. He's never surprised. Never. It's never like, oh my goodness, I had not known that. He's never surprised. Never surprised. You'll never surprise God. Verse 36 of Romans chapter 11. For from him and through him and, and to him are all things. Everything we have is from him. It all comes through Him, and it's all to Him. It's all for His glory. Everything is ultimately going to turn for His glory. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. This doxology that He prays is just packed, packed with information for us. But I'm just telling you, take hold of this. Now, we go into Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we take a turn. Romans chapter 12, now He starts dealing with us like He deals in, in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of the book of Ephesians. He is giving us instruction. This is the instruction that's for us. The instruction for the believer, the instruction for the believer is that we follow the teachings of the apostles as written in the Bible, as recorded in the Bible. We follow the instruction of the apostles. What does it mean to be a Christian, as C.S. Lewis says, is that we follow the instruction of the apostles. This is what we follow. You say, well, what about the teachings of Jesus in the gospel? Yes, that's great too. We follow that. But often Jesus was teaching Jewish people that were still under the law. And so you look at the, at, at, at the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is what the law should have taken you into should you follow it. That was the whole spirit behind the law was the Sermon on the Mount. Here we have the instruction for the believer particularly for the believer of this day. And what he's instructing us, we're going to see in Romans 12, 13, 14, and chapter 15 through verse 13. 15 through 15, 13 is just packed full of instruction. Sometimes people will say to me, if, if I just knew what to do, I would do it. 
Oh, really? If you just knew what to do, you would do it? Okay, how about the New Testament? There's about 150 commandments in the New Testament. It'll keep you quite busy. Do that. Do that and things will go well for you. This instruction is for our good. It is for our good. This instruction teaches us. And now I want to, I, I, I want to make a commercial break because this dovetails beautifully with what we're doing. So our church is going through this book, Fight For It. Fight For It. This is by our pastor, Roger Patterson. And I'm going to do a podcast with Roger today and that'll go up on my YouTube channel. But he wrote this book. This is a really good book. I was given this book last week. I read it twice this week. And I read it one time just, just for the fun of it. And then another time because I had to prepare for the podcast. Because I, I, I kind of hate walking into a podcast and walking in there like a buffoon and not having read the guy's book. You know? And so, so I, I read it a second time. And it's got a little workbook that goes along with it. This is the workbook. And so what our church is doing is it's going to have these groups for the next seven weeks. We're going to do this as a body of Christ for the next seven weeks. Now you say, well, you know, I'm really busy. I know you're really busy. But one hour a week, one hour a week, they're asking you to gather together in some group. They're going to have 70 different groups. Shireen and I are going to be here on Wednesday night with a group that's that's meeting at 6 o'clock. And I'm just going to go in there and learn. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to be leading anything. I'm just going to go in there and learn. And and uh, so I'm doing it. And what this is, if you read this book, it is amazing. Roger wrote a great book. That's why I said, come on the podcast. I'll do this. Because if it wasn't a good book, I wouldn't have done it. You know, I'm not going to promote a, a, a book that, that I don't think is helpful. This book is absolutely chock full of Scripture. If you love the Bible, it is chock full of Scripture. And what he teaches you to do is he teaches you to take portions of Scripture and apply it to your life. The Bible often teaches us through stories. There are stories about people throughout the Old Testament, and we learn from those stories. And this book is full of that kind of instruction. You will learn how to apply those stories of the Old Testament to your life. Then he comes to New Testament instruction. He complements that with New Testament instruction, which we also learn by stories. You read something in the book of Acts. You read uh, uh, things that were happening, and you, you, you learn from that. But we also, in, in the teachings of the apostles, are this you should do, this you should do, this you should do. There are these lists of things that we should do. And you say, well, you know, it's kind of, uh, of, of tiresome. Let me tell you something. It's not tiresome. It is life. It is life. And this is what Paul is about to instruct us. He's about to instruct us and give us life in this. There is this, this amazing instruction. So if you're not signed up for one of those groups, and if you're online and you want to get one of these books, you can get these books. And if you go to uh, uh, cityrise.org, cityrise.org, you, you'll be able to sign up, and they'll have these things going on by Zoom, and you'll be able to go through this. It's just, just an amazing passage. So this is dovetails beautifully with what we're going to be be learning. So I want to look at, at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to start reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. All right, we're going to stop right there. He says, therefore, therefore meaning that everything that I've taught you to this point in chapters 1 through 11, we're now going to funnel this in. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He's not commanding us. 
This is not a commandment. He's urging us. He says, I urge you, brethren. I beseech you. I urge you. He is just urging us to do something. This is exactly what I'm doing with you this morning. I am urging you to get into the Word of God and apply this to your life, to believe it. To believe that when you are in the Word of God, it is going to affect your life, it's going to affect your career, it's going to affect your marriage, it's going to affect the way you raise your children, the way you raise your family. This is why I urge you to do this. I can't command you, I mean, you know, I can't command you. But I urge you to do this because I know this is for your good. I know this is for your good. I want the best life for you. I really do. I want you to enjoy your marriage the way I enjoy my marriage. I love being married. I think marriage is like the greatest invention in the world. I love being married to Shireen. She makes me happy to be around her. Yeah, we argue, but it's, it's you, you know, now we just kind of understand each other. You know, it's, it, and, uh, um, and so, so, you know, she just needs to learn. And then, and then we get past it. <laughs> But I love to be with her. I just love being with her. And when she's not home, it's like the house is just empty. It's just empty without her. I pray that you have the joy in marriage that I've had. I want this for you. This is why I urge you to follow this pattern. Because the pattern is written here in the Bible. I'm just trying to do what the Bible teaches us. And this this book, Fight For It, you know, you, you fight for yourself, you fight for your family, you fight for your children, you fight for your careers. It teaches you because we're in a fight. You don't give up on this thing. You don't give up. I see people do this all the time. Well, you know, the pastor said something that I don't agree with, so we're going to another church. I'm like, you going to another church just because the pastor said something you don't agree with? I'd be going to another church every day. I would. Every day I'd be going to another church because every time I go listen to a message I don't agree with everything. I don't even agree with everything in my own message. I don't. I walk out of the message and I think, I didn't quite say that quite right. I mean, so what are you going to do? You're going to get in a family and leave your family because somebody said something you don't agree with? No, we're a family. We're a body of Christ. People say things you don't agree with and many times I'm wrong. What the pastor said was right. And, and so I need to learn. You don't just abandon things. You don't just give up on things because it doesn't go well. I mean, Shereen and I have been into counseling. We've, we've done all the things that we need to do to tune up our marriage and make this thing work. We've had, we've had big confrontations on things, but divorce was never an option. We were going to live together in war or in peace, and peace is a lot better. And uh, we were committed to this thing. We're going to stick this thing through, and we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to make it happen. And, and uh, this is instruction. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. God is merciful. In this, it's not all by yourself. God is merciful. He's saying, this isn't just you fighting for this. It's God. God in His mercy is going to help you. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You might remember, you might not, remember... Back in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 when we covered it. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Oh, I, I just can't let this thing go. Let me just interject something. He's set apart for the gospel of God. I love that. I love that. I love the preaching of the gospel. The gospel has to go forth. May, may God do this in my life that I be called Set apart for the gospel. But anyway, the, the, the focus right now is Paul, a bondservant of Christ. What we covered is that when we come to Jesus, we are freed from the hands of the devil. 
The devil makes us a slave. We are enslaved to sin, the Bible says. We are enslaved to sin. When we come to Jesus, we are taken out of slavery into freedom. We are taken out of slavery into freedom. We have the ability in Christ to no longer walk in bondage to sin. That's what he teaches us in Romans chapters 1 through 8. That's what he taught us. We don't have to walk in bondage to sin anymore. We can if we want to, because we're free. But we don't go from bondage, from, from slavery to sin, to slavery to God. We do not. We go from slavery to sin to freedom. Now, to take on being a bondservant, a bondservant isn't a normal slave where something is done beyond their will. A bondservant is, I willingly become your slave. That's what a bondservant is. It's different than just a slave where it's commanded. We go from slavery to sin to freedom, and now he urges us to become bond slaves, bond slaves to God. That's what he urges us to do, to do exactly what Paul did. Paul willingly became a bond slave. He says, I would, I would, Paul said, I gladly spend and be expended for your souls. He was a bond slave to God. And this is what he's urging us to do. He's urging us now. He's not commanding us because you can't command a person to be a bond slave or else you'd be a slave and not a bond slave. He's urging us. Just like I'm urging you today to take hold of this word, to take hold of the things that are here. For your own good, for your own life. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. This presentation of a sacrifice are the same words that are used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, for a sacrifice that was put upon the Old Testament altar. The same words. I urge you to lay your body on the altar and become and, and become a bondservant to Christ. You don't get this on the day of salvation. This is done as a decision. It says, which is your spiritual service of worship or your reasonable service of worship. Or if you look, if you look in, uh, uh, in the Young's literal translation, it says, I call upon you therefore, brethren, through the compassions of God to present your bodies a sacrifice, living sacrifice acceptable to God, your intelligent service. Your intelligent service. It is reasoned. It is a decision. It is the decision you make. He says, I urge you to make the decision to become a bond slave of God. This is going to change and bless your life. This will change your life. This will bless your life. In the process of this, he says, do not, in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's going to renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This, the Greek word is, is, is the same genesis of our word metamorphosis. You know, the... the, the uh, the more, the more 2022 term would be reprogrammed. Reprogrammed your mind. Your mind has to be trained, renew your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I'm going to lead you, he says, into the path for that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is so good. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot have this without becoming a believer. You cannot walk in this. You will be unable to walk in this. This will be armor that does not fit you. You cannot walk in this. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to come to the Lord today. Send me an email. Send me an email to, to, to 
tour at drjamestour.org. Tour at drjamestour.org. I will, I will meet with you within, within 48 hours of that. Often within 24 hours of you contacting me. We'll arrange a time to meet and I will share with you and you'll get saved that day and you'll begin to be able to walk in this. This is what he has for us. He's saying, I urge you. I urge you to come into this by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is going to change. This is what my mother used to say about me. She says, you're changing. You're changing right before my eyes. You never were able to speak like this before. You were never able to reason like this before. She saw this change going on in my mind that comes by spending daily time with the Lord in the Scriptures. I can't tell you that enough. The prescription for thriving in the Lord. I'm not talking just surviving. I'm talking about thriving. The prescription for thriving is here. It is daily meditation in the things of God. And that is going to take you into what we're going to read here. We're going to see point after point. This is how you should live. This is how you should live. Such that when we pick up the Bible, we read it and we should be saying, "Uh Uh-oh, here's another thing in my life i got to change. And there's another thing. That's right. No apologies. This is for your own good. This is for your own good. I'm, I'm teaching you not to stick your hand into a fire. That's what I'm teaching you how to do, God says. This is what he has for us. And this is the way we succeed. This is the way we learn. This is the way we grow. This is what he has for us. All of this is here for us, for our teaching, for our instruction. We're going to finish up with Philippians 4.9. One of my favorite verses that I talk about all, all the time. Philippians 4.9. Paul says in Philippians 4.9, The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, what you've seen in me, Paul, what you've seen in me, you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. God of peace will be with you because peace comes through practice. Peace comes through practice. You practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. This is what I tell men when they come to me and they tell me that their, their marriages are a wreck. Their marriages are just, just on the verge of, of collapse. They're on the verge of losing their family. And I bring them back to the basics. Here is the word of God. Peace comes through practice. You practice these things. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to come to him. There is life in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come to me, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will get rest for your souls. Jesus beckons us to come. That's the message of the gospel. Come to me, come to me, Jesus says. You can reach out to me. I will lead you to Jesus. I will take you, just like Andrew Simon uh, brought brought uh, Peter to Jesus, I will lead you to Jesus. I can't save you. I don't know how to do that. I will just lead you to Jesus. He will do the saving. He'll take care of that. I will just lead you to Jesus. I'll be glad to do that. Just just as uh, uh, John the Baptist led many of Israel to God, I will lead you to Jesus. You just come to me, I'll lead you to Jesus, and Jesus will just say, come. You won't be able to resist His kindness. You won't be able to resist His goodness. It will just overtake you, overshadow you, and He will just draw you right in. You might push away a little bit, but He'll just hug you so much, you'll give up. Uh, uh, he, he, will, he will get hold of you. He is so good and so gracious. He will make you willing. He will make you willing. 
in the day of His coming. He will do this. He makes us willing. He doesn't force us against our will, but He makes us willing. He's quite able to do that. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, blessed be Your name. All this, all these good things that we are about to to read about, all this good instruction, it is so good and it will bring peace in our lives. Father, I pray for these young people that you would get a hold of their, their minds, you'd get a hold of their hearts, you'd get a hold of their marriages, their relationships. Father, I pray that you'd get a hold of them and they would take hold of this and they would start working these into their lives. By the mercies of God, you will be merciful to them, that I know. And Father, that you would enrich them through this. And Father, for the unbelievers, I pray that you would save souls through this. Oh Lord, save souls. Draw people to Jesus. Save souls. Lord, if we do not see souls saved, it just breaks me up. And Lord, I pray that we would see souls saved for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.